Welcome in, everyone, and thank you for listening to the 270th ever episode of the Missouri Sports Podcast, brought to you by 106 Apparel and recording from the MSP studio in beautiful Springfield, Missouri. I'm one of your hosts, Cameron Albert, alongside my good friend and fellow Mizzou fan, Kyle DeVries. How are you doing today, Kyle? I'm doing great, Cameron. Uh, it's great to see you. Uh, your hair is really flowing today. Oh, thanks. Looks yeah. nice. Shampooed it last night, Ooh. so... Just really, uh, I don't want to mess with it. Do you have much. a you have like a like a master plan for it, or just kind of seeing where it's gonna go? The latter. I'm just kind of feeling it out. There's been a few points in this you know hair journey that I'm on where I'm like I could go back to that and feel pretty good. So probably you got it trimmed up a little while ago. Yeah, really nice and reshaped. Trying to encourage more growth out of it, and at some point probably I'll cut it back to you know maybe. Where it, maybe right now, where it is now, maybe where it was a couple months ago. I'm just enjoying the uh, experimentation of it yeah. all. Looks great. Thank you. Um, are you enjoying this time of year with the football basketball crossover season? It's incredible. Mm. It's like every day. It's like, oh yeah, I got a game to watch. Oh yeah, yeah, it's fantastic. Nothing better. Imagine if you were an NBA fan. That would be stressful. <laughs> I wouldn't be, be able to do anything. That'd be too much. Yeah um yeah we got basketball and football to talk about uh basketball recruiting uh basketball teams one and oh obviously we got to talk about that georgia game and if we can get back on track against tennessee before we do all of that don't forget to subscribe on youtube leave us a review wherever you listen to us and of course you can support us on patreon patreon.com slash missouri sports pod and we'll start the show with basketball today um the what's it called the nil not nil nli uh they were getting signing day it is signing day for basketball so we we were getting confirmation on this elite recruiting class that coach gates and company have been putting together and they might not be done yet Jaden quaintance still out there cut his list of schools down to four off the top of my head, I believe it's Kentucky, Cincinnati, no, Kentucky, Missouri, Florida, Florida Duke. I don't know. I can't remember who the fourth is. I feel like I'm only worried about Kentucky, yeah. personally. Mm-hmm. And part of that Final Four announcement was him saying that he is no longer considering the G League Ignite team. Um, so he's going to college somewhere and he has to be there for two seasons. Yeah, um, he took a visit to Kentucky last weekend, and we're talking about five-star, basically top 10 player in the class. Uh, yeah, he took a visit to Kentucky last weekend and didn't commit, mm-hmm. so that's good. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw some stuff on Twitter this morning from, I believe, a media member or something like that, somebody related to Kentucky who said that they weren't happy about some of the things they were hearing on Quaintance and uh, that Missouri had... You know the momentum was 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 with Missouri, so that definitely bodes well. That it seems like the the people we're most worried about don't feel great, and that's only one person's opinion. But yeah. that does seem to kind of feel like what the narrative is right now. Mm-hmm. And uh, but anything can change. It has felt like everybody's been viewing it as Missouri as the leader for a while now, mm-hmm. which is like nice, but also you know just sets you up for disappointment. But the good thing is we've already sometimes. we have already banked commitments from five players who have us almost guaranteed into a top 10 yeah. uh, recruiting class. And he has to make his decision pretty soon, right? Like yeah. it's within like the next week, he's got to say where he's going. Yeah. So we're going to know soon. 
Um, and what's weird is some of the stuff I was seeing about him, uh, just like from scouts and stuff, he is considered one of the more, well, they were considering one of the more pro-ready players in his class, which is insane when you think about the fact that he is also one of the youngest players in his class Yeah, because he reclassified from 2025. Unbelievable ceiling. Yeah. And the fact that he, uh, and probably some of the stuff he's been hearing from schools regarding NIL is factoring into his decision to not take the G League Ignite route. Right. Yeah. I mean, it almost kind of, yeah, it's like, why would you even do that whenever you can make just as good money? Mm -hmm. Um, Basically, being a semi-pro in college. Yeah. Um, But yeah, obviously, the focus is still on him a little bit, but um, we've got this solid recruiting class that uh, is going to be impactful regardless. Um, and the basketball team is off to a 1-0 start after beating Arkansas Pine Bluff 101-79. to Blew them out a little bit there. Yeah. Uh, at one point, they were up by 30. Um, the starting five in this one was Nick Honor, Sean East, Caleb Grill, Noah Carter, and our guy, JCM. Zeus. He only played 10 minutes, though. He started, but only played 10 minutes. But he was effective in those 10 minutes. Uh, four assists, one rebound, one block, and a steal. He's the X factor. They don't want to give too much away. Honestly. They had to pull him out. Honestly, you don't you don't want to put too much on tape with him. That's true. You know what you have. He knows what he is. Yes. Exactly. You're yeah. exactly right. You're playing, uh, you're doing a little drink with ball there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> playing a long game. Yeah. Um, it Obviously, Arkansas Pine Bluff, not a very good team. Uh, they had two guys who were really scoring the ball, though. Um, Joe French and Kylan Milton combined for 64 of Pine Bluff's 79 points. Yeah. I mean, I feel like what we saw from Missouri is pretty much exactly what we expected. And it's kind of a continuation of what last season was. It mm-hmm. was like, we can score with anybody. We're probably not going to play the greatest defense. Like, we're going to play like, well, I should say, we're going to play like high risk, high reward defense. Yeah. We're not going to rebound that well, and if we're just going to, you know, like because of the way we're playing, you're going to have opportunities to, to make threes, and mm-hmm. they did that, mm-hmm. uh, but it didn't really matter because we're just going to outscore you, and that was like the blueprint for a lot of Missouri games last year. I have a feeling that will just continue, and that's why the analytics get confused, And but that's okay. Yeah, now uh, the analytics love Missouri's offense mm-hmm. because it's incredibly efficient, fast-paced, a lot of possessions, and... Um, Last or last night, um, Monday night was basically perfect offense from Missouri. I mean, you shoot 40% from three, 70% from two, 80, I mean, I'm going to round up to 90% from the free throw line with 19 attempts. They actually won the rebounding battle, but against the inferior opponent, mm-hmm. um, 17 assists yeah. to 13 turnovers as a team. Yeah, I feel like that's a big thing. It's just like a lot of assists. Yeah. Moving the ball well, sharing it well. Um, yeah, talk uh, to talk about some of the individual performances, um, Sean East with 21 points in just 21 minutes. He looked like a like a reinvented version of himself, like yes. very confident. Very confident, knocked down the first three of the game, uh, specifically drove to the basket and scored like baseline uh, once or twice, which was good to see. Keep doing that. Um, Nick Honor had 18 points. He attempted 10 threes. He was four for 10 from three. Um, do, I we mean, know how many, do we know how many minutes he played? Uh, a lot. He played, I have it right here, 
32 minutes. Okay. I feel like that's going to even keep going up. Yeah. And he was like on the floor six or seven times. Um, he did struggle a little bit around the rim, missed a couple layups. They were tough, you know, tough shots, but um, I feel like he is obviously impacted at the rim by his size. Not a whole lot you can do sometimes. Uh, Noah Carter, I thought maybe a little bit disappointing on offense, only 15 points. It kind of felt like Noah Carter from last year a little bit, mm. where it's just a little bit quiet. Kind of a quiet 15. Knocks you know. down a couple shots. Um, Didn't really need him, though. True. Uh, yeah, 15 points on 12 attempts from the field. It's not terrible. It's like one of these games where everybody kind of feels like dominant in their one-on-one matchup. So it's mm-hmm. like, a, you know, we're going to see a lot of usage from guys that we might not in tighter games. Uh, Caleb Grill, 15 points, seven rebounds. Uh, he looked just as soon as they ran out there, I thought he looked bigger than I was expecting yeah. as a guard. Maybe it's just the man bun. Maybe. Looks taller. Maybe. Add a few inches there. But, um, yeah, he was coming up with some rebounds, looked aggressive, uh, going to the rim, had a uh, transition dunk that was really nice. Mm-hmm. Only shot one of six from three and still scored 15. Yeah, got so to the free throw line. I feel like that's actually a good sign that, yes. he, that he struggled from what we know he can do. That's yeah. like you know his, his calling card, but um, still found other ways to score. And Missouri as a team shooting 40% with him going one for six. Yeah. Uh, and, but I would say, well, two guys here that I left for last that probably impressed me the most, uh, Tamar Bates coming off the bench and giving us 18 points in 24 minutes, three for three from three. Yeah. He looked really good. Um, he looked just like the superior athlete on the court, even compared to most of the Missouri players. Had a big dunk, huge dunk and just looked quick, decisive. When he decided to shoot, he went for it. As soon as he got in the game, I noticed they were running offense to try to get him a look from three. Yeah, It took a little while, but once he got it, he nailed it. Um, and then the other guy that I was super impressed with was Aiden Shaw. And he, I feel like, got the most like screen time in a weird way. Like The yeah. broadcast focused on him quite a bit. But seven points, nine rebounds, five blocks, two steals in 23 minutes. I mean this in the most respectful way possible, but... Aiden Shaw, you are a freak. Yeah. <laughs> like some of the uh, some of the rebounds he was getting yes. was just like, wow, I've never seen anything like that. Yeah. There, there was a one possession in particular where he got two offensive rebounds mm-hmm. off of threes, yeah. and we couldn't, like, couldn't get the ball in the basket. But. Like the position his body was in was yes. just like, I, this is unreal. He's like jumping so high, and his arms are so long <laughs> that he's just like snatching the ball out of the air when yeah. it shouldn't be possible. Yeah. Yeah, I think he's gonna. Yeah, I mean, we've talked about him and his his efficiency, you know, a couple weeks ago, and kind of trying to preview his season. And man, I don't know. Like, I still don't know that he's ever going to be like a really skilled player, um, like off- offensively. But he's just athletically so gifted that I think he's just going to be able to carve out like hustle points and stuff like that, like in every game he plays. Uh, yeah. And what's weird is in this game, Missouri's depth felt excellent. Like, they were rotating guys in and out well, and just the fact that you're bringing Aiden Shaw and Tamar Bates off the bench to do what they did was impressive, and there was no John Tanjay in this game. Yeah. I guess he's still not sure exactly, but there was rumors. I don't know. Maybe Gates talked about it in the press conference, but uh, I just saw rumors that he had been kind of nursing an injury, and they didn't want to 
yeah. rush him back and just yeah sounds like it won't be too long but i don't know if he's gonna play friday okay um, um go ahead finish your thought and Connor Vanover not available because he's suspended for three games for playing in some kind of showcase last spring that he was approved for. Yeah, it's like under the assumption, I guess, that he was not returning to school. He participated in this event, and okay, whatever. But um, kind of bizarre. What do you think about Caleb Brown, sixth man? Yeah, so two things there with the substitutions. Caleb Brown is your first player off the bench, but only plays eleven minutes. And kind of struggle doesn't give you much, but whatever. I mean, these games against 300 level Ken Palm teams are where you give guys some run and try to see what they can provide. And then something similar with um, Anthony Robinson, the first freshman to come into the game, played 14 minutes and yeah, not a lot of production. First game jitters. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that was okay. That was the thing where we were totally off, at least in game one. And there was even like this pregame report that came out, or yeah. I don't even know, know if you can call it a report. We saw something that was a starting lineup that was not exactly correct. It was like four out of the five people were right, but it had yeah. um, Trent Pierce yeah. as starting, and it just like confirmed all of our biases. Yes. Like, oh, yeah. yep, I, yep, we knew it. Yeah. We knew he was he's going to be NBA. incredible. Yeah, yep, one and done. <laughs> and then he barely played. Yeah, seven minutes, no points. Attempted one shot, one block shot though. Yeah, so I'm I'm a little um I don't I'm not worried, but I'm I'm a little curious uh what that's gonna look like and um kind of some of the preseason stuff we've heard and uh the his performances in the exhibition games and stuff like that, which yeah. are probably just complete and utter throwaway mm-hmm. experiences, but uh, as far as the basketball portion of it goes, but um a little bit curi- a little bit surprised that he just didn't really do anything and didn't really play. Yeah, uh, yeah. Jordan Butler had five points in only five minutes of action, um, and Kurt Lewis played two minutes super late. So I, I don't know. I feel like the minutes distribution and everything. Like Sean East only played twenty one minutes because he fouled out, which is a little bit concerning. The number of fouls in this game for Missouri was off the charts. Uh, Pine Bluff shot thirty one free throws. So. I mean, I know you've got the bodies that you're not concerned about somebody fouling out, but when... Yeah, that might just be the the strat. Is yeah. like, we have the depth, just play as hard as you possibly can, even if that means fouling. Yeah. Yeah, the only concern is you get in the double bonus when, like, with yeah. half of the half left. Yeah. Yeah, that probably wasn't the plan. Um, But really, I just feel like it's so open-ended on where they go from here. Like, the Memphis game on Friday, who knows? Like, pencil yeah. in Nick Honor, Noah Carter, East, and Grill with their minutes. Yeah, but I feel like it's going to have to consolidate a little bit. Yeah. I don't think it's going to happen anytime soon, though. I but, think we're talking about January before we really know for sure. Yeah. I am a little concerned about the defense against yeah. Memphis. They're a prolific scoring team, and they're really solid. Obviously, we've got it at home, right? Yes. So that's good, but, man, I think it's going to be a tight one. Should be. I mean, it sounds like a game that could just be super entertaining yes. like the way these teams play they're both really aggressive like a, a very talented teams like it could be it could be a fun one yeah uh ken palm has it as an absolute coin flip uh with missouri winning by one and says they win exactly 50 percent of the time mm. um i was looking at memphis's roster and this is this is just college basketball and who knows if this will ever like normalize at all but memphis the top 
six guys in minutes from their game one of their season. Like, you click on any of these guys. David Jones transferred from St. John's after previously transferring from DePaul. Jaquan Walton, we just saw him last year for Wichita State, mm-hmm. and he was previously at Georgia. <laughs> uh, Javon Quinterly is on this Memphis team. Uh, former Villanova player, then spent three years at Alabama. I now, can't believe he's still in college. Yeah. Uh, another senior, Jordan Brown, uh, was at Nevada, then Arizona, then Louisiana, now at Memphis. <laughs> and uh, another senior, Caleb Mills, uh, was at Houston, then Florida State, and now at Memphis. So they've got like five or six seniors that have all had like more than two stops. Like Memphis is their third stop for their final season. That's just crazy. I don't know. It's so wild that you do not know what any of these teams are yeah. for such a long time. That's very true. Like you, Missouri has a lot of transfers, had a lot of transfers last year, a lot of new faces. And like, oh, okay, what kind of continuity does Memphis have? Basically zero. Right. Yeah, I do feel like that's that was college basketball when I was growing up and probably long before that also but it was just like whenever you know you would have a freshman come in they'd play all four years and you would yeah. get to know them really well and you know the crowds a would stair-step progression of their career yes, like really develop yeah. slowly and all that stuff and yeah that's definitely not um today's college basketball but um it's it's still an entertaining product it's still fun in different ways yeah and i mean within that just makes it even more special when you do get a guy like kobe brown yeah who absolutely. does that it's like Kind of a a throwback to, yeah, like when we were growing up watching college basketball. Um, Penny Hardaway. Yeah, Penny Hardaway in his sixth season for Memphis. That's wild. Went to the NCAA tournament the last two seasons. And after game one, they are number one in fastest adjusted tempo. Uh, Last year through the whole season, uh, they were 22nd in tempo so we should have a pretty fast-paced game Mm. entertaining like you said i think uh, plenty of offense both teams might be scoring 80 plus yeah yeah um i think uh just a week ago i said or two weeks ago i said probably missouri loses this game you did i said when yeah we had a we had opposite results on this one and then like a week from now against minnesota but I just think it's fun to have this type of game so early in the season yeah. where you're really going to find out a lot about the team. And so good luck on Friday. Anything else basketball? Nope. It's crazy how much more athletic last year's team and this year's team is compared to, you know, previous teams. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's like a different sport. Yeah. All right, so the Missouri football team played a game this past Saturday. It's kind of a big deal. Unfortunately, Missouri drops to 7-2 and two after losing to number two Georgia on the road, 30-21. to 21. Any thoughts right off the top? Coach Drink was very, he said there's a lot of hurt men in that locker room in his post-game press conference. And... I just served it up to you, and then I just kept talking. So I, I mean, I just, I don't even know where to start, man. <laughs> yeah, I have thoughts. I, uh, man, I, it's disappointing. It is like I feel like I, I'm simultaneously both like I'm proud of the way they played. I thought they did. I thought they played well. 
thought they represented themselves well. Mm-hmm. Um, they had to play against one of the most like prestigious programs in the history of the sport mm-hmm. and on the road. And when, when that team was ready for them, this yeah. was not catching them off guard. Like, Oh, we're just a little bit better than you thought we were. And Nope. This was uh Georgia prioritized Missouri because this is the game they have to win to win the East and, and go to the playoff. Like this is the biggest game of their season, at least up to this point. Their by, Super Bowl, by you far. could say. Their, it was the Super Bowl. Missouri was Georgia's Super Bowl. <laughs> and, um, so you know, I but on the on the other hand, I think Missouri had a chance to win this game. I think they could have won, and that it makes me sick. Yeah, yeah, I completely agree, and it makes you think like there was nothing about the game that made it feel like a fluke that Missouri was where they were, yeah. uh, you know, in the fourth quarter. Yeah, and there was nothing about Georgia that made it feel like this is. Like we don't, there's no chance here, and right. we, and we knew that coming in. Yeah, Georgia's really, really good. They're not unbeatable, and I think Missouri does some things that match up well, and all those things kind of came true. But it did come down to just some turnovers, some penalties, um, some of those things where, you know, the best teams in the country don't commit mistakes in the pivotal moments. They yeah. don't. Um, turn the ball over in pivotal in pivotal moments when they're driving down the field to take the take the lead in the fourth quarter. Um, Missouri did those things, and that was the dis- that was the difference. Yeah, we will get back to that moment uh, in just a moment. Looking at the stats real quick, Brady Cook, fourteen of thirty passing, two hundred twelve yards, one touchdown, two interceptions. Cody Schrader, though, you nailed it in our preview. Um, over 100 yards, 22 carries, 112 yards, and a touchdown. Now, um, as we get into the wide receivers, I think there's a conversation to be had here about the Brady Cook Luther Burden connection and what worked and what didn't. Um, Theo Weiss, five catches for 90 yards, super clutch in some big moments. Mookie Cooper, just two catches, but 32 yards and one um, just super important third down conversion. But Luther Burden, you get that first touchdown, incredible throw and catch, deep ball to burden. He comes down with it. Just exactly what we've seen all season from those two. Yeah. Then he's pretty quiet the rest of the game. Yeah. And we kind of talked about how you're going to need your top guys to step up. And it felt like Schrader was stepping up, felt like the offensive line was stepping up, felt like Cook was doing everything he needed to do. Um, but... I don't know, and maybe I'm just uh, blinded by how good we've come to expect Luther Burden to be. Felt like there were a couple times where there was a play to be made, and he just couldn't quite come up with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he did get a little bit dinged up at one point. I don't know if that was affecting him at all, but yeah, he was going up against one of the best secondaries in the country, mm-hmm. and like you said, came up with a huge play at the beginning and kind of got shut down after that, and... Yeah, I mean, there were some, some some plays here and there, and honestly, they probably did enough like yeah. to at least be close. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we probably do need a little bit more from Luther Burden if and we're going to win. The play that he kind of got uh, shaken up on, um, or where he was down for a little bit, was the incomplete pass that very was very close to a touchdown. Yeah. And that's just the kind, like, I can't, I'm not going to sit here and fault him for not making the exceptional play that that would have been. But 
if you're that type of player in that type of moment, that's what you do. We hold you to different standards. Yeah. Yeah. And that's not to say that I'm disappointed sure. by any means. It's just like, oh, that was the one. Yep. That was the one to show that, you know, nobody could doubt anything if he goes and gets that touchdown there. Yeah. Um, one thing that stood out to me was just like throughout the entire game, we knew the margin for error was going to be so tiny. And there was just moments where it was like, that's the type of thing you can't do. First quarter, Georgia's driving. We hold them. It's fourth and five. Jump off sides. Yeah, they went for it on fourth and five. Yes. Well, they went for it after we jumped off sides, basically. Who yeah. knows if they were going to actually snap the ball there. Yeah. But uh, they get a free play, get a first down. Would have been a first down even if they hadn't caught the ball. But and it, let's say even if they do, that the play for the defense just gets thrown off when you jump off sides and everybody in the stadium, everybody watching at home knows it's a free play. Yeah. Just changes things. So that was frustrating. Um, that drive still only ended with a field goal. So it's like the defense, I feel like multiple times this year has done something like that where they make a mistake, let a team extend a drive, but then they kind of cover it up a little bit by holding them to a field goal. But when the margin for error is that slim, you just can't have it. Um, the third down Georgia touchdown to love it on the screen was so close to getting batted down at the line of scrimmage. Yeah. Yeah. That, I was a little bit confused, like why Missouri's corners are playing so far off the wide receivers. And I can't remember if they did that for the, for the whole game, but they were definitely doing that in the beginning. And in that play, especially it was mm -hmm. fine. It was like, Georgia was just like, all right, we'll just take what you gave us yeah. and we'll just hit this quick pass. Right. And it was easy. Yeah. The only thing that could have disrupted that was getting a hand on it at the line yeah. of scrimmage, which almost happened. Almost happened. When it doesn't, that was just the easiest touchdown ever. Yeah. Um, and then if I'm just looking at moments that it feels like we could have had something that changes the game, not getting in field goal range at the end of the first half yeah. feels like a little bit of a head scratcher to me. Yeah, the end of the end of the first half was a little bizarre. Um I can't remember exactly how it went, but Missouri basically got the ball back with, what, 30, 40 seconds left? Mm -hmm. And, yeah, that's not a lot of time, and you're probably not going to do anything. Two timeouts, I believe. Two timeouts. But their first play of the drive is like a Cody Schrader run, mm -hmm. and he gets out of bounds, kind of, and yeah. but, they, but the clock doesn't stop. They call him forward progress stopped before he goes out of bounds. Right. So coach is really mad, or yeah. at least fake mad, Yeah. on the sidelines, like screaming and cussing and throwing his hat and all this stuff. They don't even call a timeout though. That's right. what I just doesn't makes no sense to me. Exactly. Like, so they you run a you call a run play where you know the clock is going to keep going unless you get out of bounds. And you're apparently just absolutely counting on getting out of bounds. Yes. Desperate to get out of bounds. Desperately want the clock to stop. Yeah. So after you're calling a run play, you have two timeouts. Don't use them. So I'm not really sure the clock run like you know 20 seconds run off the clock while he's arguing with the ref yeah we're getting it, ready for the next play the, yeah it's the chances of doing anything are obviously dead at that point yeah. immediately so i'm not sure what the plan there was uh it, it was like he wanted to do something but but his action did not support that exactly yeah yeah the play calling and not calling a timeout did not make sense with how uh animated he was at not getting the clock stopped there right and well, you have it within your power to stop the clock right now exactly or call a pass <laughs> yeah uh yeah so and there were some weird 
stuff with the penalties and referees that happen in this game but that was the thing that he came back to i think even after the game yeah was like talking about cody schrader getting out of bounds which i guess he didn't even get out of bounds like i guess his elbow went down in bounds or something yeah i don't know so so he was really hung up on that mm. yeah it just feel, felt like an opportunity even after that yeah even after it doesn't go quite how you want it still felt like you could have made a better effort to get in field goal range you're playing the the two-time defending national champions in there on their field you got to be aggressive there in my opinion um still just kind of nitpicking a little bit here but um the uh, marquis johnson field in that kickoff that just what was that uh, man he, coach said that uh they had him lined up on the five instead of the end zone he didn't really explain why, but he said that's on us. That's on the coaches. Uh, mm-hmm. Normally, we have their heels on the end zone, so if it goes over the head, they let it go. But he was like backtracking into the end zone to go field it. Uh, terrible. It was, it was, yeah. So basically, Missouri starts to drive inside the five because he didn't just you know let call it go for over the, his head or yeah. yes or whatever. Uh, yeah, I feel like Missouri's kickoff uh, kickoffs were bad when they were kicking the ball to georgia too as like, well yeah yeah they kept kicking it short and like allowing a return and georgia was like taking it and yeah. getting good returns and stuff yeah yeah that was when we've seen plenty like almost the entire season mevis is just kicking it right through the back of the end zone yeah every single time yeah i'm not sure and i believe that blake craig is going to get a shot at kickoffs um and what was cited as the reasoning there was just to manage mevis's workload Load management yeah basically load management for kicking yes <laughs> and these kids just got tough enough these days you know um what else was i gonna say oh okay we watched this game together we were talking yeah. about this um why did they uh do their little beautiful onside kick mm. trick that they are so good at against memphis yeah why didn't they save this for why didn't they save that for Georgia or something? Because it sounded like it was something they were really comfortable with. Mm-hmm. They basically pulled it off against Memphis. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Looked like Mevis could do it 10 times in a row. Yeah. This felt like a pretty good opportunity for something like that. Yeah. 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 You'd like to still have that in your bag of tricks and not not have that on tape at this point in the season. But, uh, yeah. Um, yeah. The, the officiating, though, like th- both ways, they were struggling a bit. Yeah, they there missed, was uh, they missed some calls for both teams. There was a PI uh, on a throw to Luther that was a little sketchy. If it was the other way around, I would have yeah. been pretty upset by that one. Oh yeah, in and Missouri's it, favor. Yeah, yeah, and then it basically happened. The PI call on Norwood that was just as bad or yep. even worse. Where uh, I was pretty frustrated by that one. But then the biggest game changing play of the whole game was the. And I can't even remember what Georgia was doing to set this all up. They were doing some some wild stuff. Yeah, they did some little pitches in the back. Yeah, it was like and... a double flea flicker situation. <laughs> and uh, Carson Beck throws it deep, you know, good 10 yards over the head of the receiver who looks like he's, like, blocking. like Oscar the... Delp. Ah, yes. Delp Your and, Delp and uh, Missouri defensive back are just, like, locked up with each other, like, 50 yards down the field. <laughs> Nothing happens. It goes 10 yards over his head. Yeah. Then it's, like upcoming fourth down yeah no actually no they, it's first and 10 way down the field i've never seen that ever like they didn't explain the, the they didn't explain the penalty no announcement no announcement they didn't uh like the referee didn't say who it was on 
and what the penalty was. Oh, flag uh, animation no didn't come flag up on the TV. Animation. Yeah, so basically it was like, felt like one of the biggest stops of the entire game. And then it was just like, nope, uh, first down in the red zone. For Georgia. And then there was that whole mess that I truly, to the, as I'm saying this, have no clue what actually was going on when they were reviewing a penalty, something about intentional grounding, something about ineligible man downfield, something offensive pass interference. No idea what was happening and there. I, like, I've never seen a penalty get reviewed and overturned. I, I, some people on Twitter were replying to my tweet saying that I guess specifically intentional grounding can be reviewed or something i don't know it's like they were but i'm biased and i don't want to think about it yeah it's <laughs> like they were trying to see if it was even legal to be calling that penalty yeah yeah like i don't know i've i you just really don't see that though whether it was right or wrong i don't know how many times i've ever seen that probably zero despite all of that despite all of those little uh, mishaps that could have maybe made it a little bit more manageable on missouri uh in the second half you know, we're just trading drives back and forth. It's a little hairy for a moment. Missouri only gets a field goal, but Georgia scores a touchdown. But then we flip that. We hold Georgia to a field goal after Missouri scores a touchdown. We're getting the ball back down seven with eight-ish minutes left in the fourth quarter. I think it might have been 24-21 at that point. I'm thinking of 27-21. Okay. Yes. Yep. And um, Missouri, I think uh, Cody Schrader breaks a run to start the drive. We got the ball first and 10 around the 50-yard line. Yes. And just the worst thing you've ever seen in your life happens. Where Brady Cook just tosses it right into the belly. Right into the belly of the beast. A Georgia defensive lineman for an interception. Like I, like I want to reiterate how much momentum like what this moment was before that like we were driving to take the lead potentially against georgia missouri's defense doing what they need to do holding up their end of the bargain to hold georgia to a field goal and let me tell you guys cody schrader gets better as games go on yeah he was like reaching his full potential he was yeah. like becoming his final form his final form in this moment and like was already ripping off the runs we're about to drive to take the lead against georgia to potentially play for an sec or an sec championship go to the playoff go to the playoff go to atlanta go to the playoff and brady cook throws the worst interception you've ever seen in your life yeah i'm fighting um, back tears right now just thinking about it kyle before you got here uh producer cameron and i were really dissecting the that play on replay uh, repeatedly and one thing that I didn't catch live was how if – and Coach Drinkwitz talked about this play, obviously, and that it was set up to go to the tight end. There's a little hide-the-tight-end play, which has worked beautifully for Missouri in previous games. Kind of block for a minute and then just yep. – yeah. Yep. And now looking at that play over and over again, first of all, the ball goes right to the defender's midsection. Yes, it did. That ball's never getting to Norfleet. I mean, I don't, the trajectory of it didn't make any sense. Even if he catches it, he's getting rocked as soon as he catches it. He got rocked without even the, having the ball. <laughs> but right over here on the other side of the field is Makai Miller, no. who had just, uh, 
they just did a fake handoff to him. There's one defender that looks like they are even interested in him at all. You see that defender get out of there. Makai Miller's on the other side of the field. Nobody around him. 20 yards of turf in front of him. So if you want to feel even worse about that situation, go back and watch that play a few times. Had to kick me when I was down. Yeah. So uh, I'm afraid that play will haunt me for the rest of my life. Honestly, I would take that. I hope it haunts you and not Brady Cook. I will take on the demon <laughs> for Brady Cook. That's that's very big of you. And yeah, hopefully he doesn't even need that. But that's the type of play that could stick with you. That was a program-changing play. Mm. And I hate that it just like happened to Brady Cook because... He has had such a great season and really made all of us look so stupid for all the things that we've yes, said. Yes. In the offseason and doubting him. And then he just kind of threw it all away right there. But that's okay. We don't want to pin it on one moment. No. But, man, that was that was really painful. That's part of the reason I wanted to mention all those other moments. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, there was uh, there was one other. I mean, you mentioned like a an almost big play. I feel like there was a big play... What when was it when when Mookie Cooper got the big catch that put us mm. in the red zone? Yeah, it was basically the next play or, or soon after that where Brady Cook got sacked on third down. Yes. Well, there was like uh, Theo Weiss. It, I mean, they, middle George, of the field, Georgia wide blitzed, open. Georgia blitzed, and we just weren't ready for it. And Theo Weiss was just running across the middle of the field. Wide yeah, open. from the TV view, I'm sure there was somebody there. Cook, well, yeah. no, no. Uh, from the TV view, Cook's eyes never leave yes. that far sideline. Yeah, basically. he was looking to the left side, yeah. and yeah. Oh, man. so yeah, there was there was a few like near misses, but I mean, obviously, we're at, we're asking for perfection here, so yeah, it's not gonna happen. Yeah, it's just it's just wild to like know that's what it's going in. It's like you're basically gonna have to play a perfect game and hope Georgia makes a couple mistakes. Yeah. Well, Georgia. I don't know. I think people were too low on Georgia's performance because, like, I don't think they did anything egregious to, like, let Missouri hang around more than it looked like Missouri deserved to hang around. Yeah. Yeah, legitimately, it was just two good teams battling, uh, and Georgia was a little bit better, and, you know, we thought that was probably going to be the case, most likely. Yeah, and you look at... um, You look at... uh, Carson Beck, and he just plays the, he, he, I mean. You're going to say game manager? Sort of. He's a little, he's a little more, he's a game manager plus. Yeah. But the thing is, that's all they need him to do. Yeah. And they have really figured something out. And I think it is a little bit of the Nick Saban model from, you know. AJ McCarron years. Yeah, exactly. Where it's like. We are elite at so many positions. We Everywhere. just need you to come in and not lose the game. Yep. And that's what Stetson Bennett did for two championship runs. Yep. And if Carson Beck is locked into that mindset, yes. like it, it seemed like he was that on is, Saturday. We have five-star players everywhere. Yeah. So please just don't turn the ball over. And he did just like every little thing. Like Missouri's defense, credit to Missouri's defense for getting to him a few times. Mm-hmm. I mean, they made it clear on the broadcast he had only been sacked six times coming into this game. And uh, Missouri put a dent in that number. And But he was just good enough, and the offensive line for Georgia was just good enough to where, like, early on, a third and eight, picks it up with his legs, uh, gets out of the pocket, 
gets another first down later in the game on like third and three and uh, never throws an interception and just felt like the whole game, it was like Georgia's going to turn yeah. the ball over. Like this has to like happen They have at some to make point. a mistake. It yeah. just never quite happened. No. Okay, I got to ask you about the Connor Tolleson snapping issue. Um, I mean, what is even happening there? Like, it's probably, I'm starting to get like PTSD about it, like on every snap where I'm just like, don't snap it until he's ready. Don't snap it until he's ready. I'm like thinking that in my head, like every play now, because it's happened four or five times this season where the Brady's not ready for the snap. Yeah. And it gets snapped to him. And sometimes he catches it and sometimes he doesn't to get a, you know, fall on it or whatever. Yeah. In this game in particular, it was wild. Uh, The last Missouri drive after the interception, um, where like a third and 14 or something, a fourth and long, there was like twice where the snap comes early. Brady's surprised by it, still catches it, and then just throws it up to Weiss, who yes. gets a first down. Yeah, they, was like, that was like their go-to on? play there at the end of the game. That was... entire series felt so frantic and sync. just, yeah. I mean, it, it was still a two-score game at that point, but... I know you've never played center before, but I mean, what? Like, what? I don't even. How does that even happen? Like, like Connor Tollison's just sitting there, and he's like, "Yeah, I think it'll. Yeah, it'll just do it now." Yeah, yeah. It's like, uh, uh, it's about time. Yeah, it's about that time. I'll just send it back. Yeah, it's um, probably been waiting long enough. I honestly have no idea what's going on there. I mean, obviously the crowd noise and everything is factoring into that, but there's obviously a signal that you should be waiting for to snap the ball. I know, uh, like Georgia's defense doing that shifting and everything was causing so issues. Annoying. I would. I mean, outlaw. In my book, that's as disconcerting a signal as you have. <laughs> Seriously, that's way more disconcerting than clapping. Yeah. Oh man, and I think it actually messed up Georgia's defensive line a couple times where we got a nice little run we because like, they were like out of position. Yeah, we like snapped the ball while they were doing the shift. Yeah. Uh, back to Connor Tolleson, though. Honestly, I he's, was thinking he's about had a this. good season. Yes, outside of that, he's a sophomore, and. It's not like he has the yips where it's like all of a sudden he can't do it, you know? I feel like sometimes an athlete has a a breakdown mentally where it's like all of a sudden they can't do the one thing they're out there to do. Yeah. And you got to like get some psychology going on. (laughs) But I don't think that's the case with him. I think he's just young. Psychology for that young man. I mean, I know, I know the, uh, athletic, the athletic department is, is, uh, is keeping up on that kind of stuff. But, um, I feel like he's just young, and you just—I mean, it just seems like an have incredibly some... fixable thing, man. Like it's happened multiple times before this game, where I feel like you would just have to be like working on that, yeah, every day. Yeah, like, well, it's I, so in the most pivotal moments, or the I crowd's feel like it's, loud. It's and probably stuff. a little bit of a confidence thing. It's yeah. a little bit of a just not quite having the reps in that you need. Now, maybe I'm sugarcoating a little bit. But the way I see it playing out in my head is next year and the year after we're going, hey, remember when he was doing that? I sure He has so. really come a long way. And we always knew he was good, but he just had these, you know, mental lapses from yeah. time to time. He's shored that up. And now as a junior and senior, he's, you know, yeah. all conference type player. It just, is, you know, it seems like there's a lot going on pre-snap, you know, and, you know, that's to Brady Cook's credit or the coach's credit. Mm-hmm. They're they're calling stuff on the fly a lot of times. They're seeing what the defense has given them. They're calling in audibles. They're kind of changing on the fly. And sometimes I'm wondering if he's getting a little confused or something. Well, there was one player in particular where they came out in a formation 
looked over to the sideline, completely changed the formation. I think that was maybe that Mookie Cooper catch. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was wide open. Yeah. They had exactly what they wanted there. So, yeah, I like what they do on offense of, like, getting up to the ball. The coaching staff is upstairs, seeing what the defense has given you, and then relaying signals. I mean, it's it seems like a fairly complicated way to do things, but... Yeah, it's working. Yeah. Um. Yeah, it was, was there anybody... I mean, Schrader, obviously, we're impressed with. The offensive line in general, outside of a couple mistakes, played quite well, I think. Um, the defense, there was good good tackling. I mean, Georgia's yeah. offensive playmakers are very good. Yeah. And uh, especially those two running backs. And I feel like Missouri's defense did a good job of sort of uh, hemming them in and not let them just run wild. Yeah, I mean, personnel-wise, I think everybody played pretty well for the most part. So would have loved to see uh, what happens in another universe if that interception doesn't get thrown, but we'll never yeah. know. Love to know. <laughs> There's two times now this season where we would love to know what happens if they just line up and hand the ball to Schrader one more time. Yeah. Just changes everything. Yeah. You're talking about the LSU game? Yeah. Is the, first, is the other time? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, no, and I obviously all the coaching staff just wishes they could rewind to that moment and just call any other play. Just hand the ball off, and then we'll then the play you want to run. Maybe you do it next, but oh, yeah. Just rewrite history there a little bit. Um, so Missouri, like I said, seven and two, uh, three and two in SEC play. And now here comes the Tennessee Volunteers. Number so is it number fourteen Mizzou seven and two three and two versus number thirteen Tennessee exact same record. And I don't know if you know this, but Tennessee has beat Missouri four times in a row. Doesn't surprise me. Yeah, and a couple of those have been ugly. Man, what uh, was it? Barry Odom's last season that. Tennessee ran for like 700 yards against us. There was one of those games. I don't know. It's been a few years now where the Tennessee players, like in their uh, like pregame stuff, were specifically saying like, "Oh yeah, we're gonna have a, we're gonna have a fun day on Saturday." Yeah, like the most disrespectful thing you've ever heard. Yes. And then they just just absolutely had, call their shot. Yes, just absolutely back it up with the greatest performance ever. I don't remember what year that was. Feels like it was too soon. Yeah. Feels well, I just yeah, just think about where we are now. Yeah. And just be happy we're not there anymore. Whenever that was. Yeah, they've looked good against Missouri in recent years, too. Um, yeah. Yeah, and I, was, these teams are very similar. I mean, it's yeah. like they both, Missouri and Tennessee this year, it's like they're on the cusp of basically doing what Tennessee did last year. Like, I feel like Missouri and Tennessee, that's that's the that's where you need to be. And I don't know, just very two very similar teams and just like the the way they've played this so far this year, like mm-hmm. winning some big matchups, but then just falling short in the sort of season-defining games. Um, Tennessee lost their first SEC game of the season at Florida, 29-16. Since then, they beat South Carolina, 41-20, beat A&M, 20-13, lost at Alabama, 34-20. Of course, that was the big one for them last year, finally beating Alabama. And they won at Kentucky, 33-27. to 27. And that game it might be the one that I'm most interested in because they're going on the road 
coming to Como. And Kentucky scores 27 against this pretty good Tennessee defense and loses. And that feels like the game right there. Like yeah, if the Missouri most, like, comparable game. Yeah, if Missouri's scoring if Missouri scores 30, this has to be a win, I think. If we're looking at like 29 to 26 points, I feel like it's uh it's a toss up. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely feel like these teams are very evenly matched. <clears throat> and Joe Milton's very capable. He's been really efficient this year. Uh, 15 touchdowns, four interceptions. So he definitely, uh, I think, over 2,000 yards passing, and he's mobile too. So yep. he's a big, he's a big guy. Yeah, I think I saw he was six five two thirty. Yeah. So dude is, and he's not the most accurate passer, but he can throw it a mile. <laughs> and the way that their running backs and offensive line get things done on the ground, it sort of just opens up those shots down the field. Yeah. And um. It's not Hendon Hooker. No. This team is not what they were last year. No. Uh, but they're still really solid, and they're good everywhere. I mean, honestly, they are pretty comparable to Missouri, like you said. Just really well-balanced. They're they're solid everywhere. Their running backs are kind of just... They have got this uh, three-headed monster of a running back room that is pretty elite, starting with Jalen Wright, who on just 110 carries has over 800 yards rushing. That's seven and a half yards per carry. Which is just insane. And he's super fast. Like, he will run away from you in the open field. His longest touchdown this season is 82 yards. And that can, against good teams even, that can just happen at any point. Yeah. He can just take one to the house. Yeah, you can't fall asleep at all. They, I mean, I don't know, have so many ways to beat you on offense. So you're going to have to uh, be awake every play. Not as stacked of a wide receiver room for them this year compared mm-hmm. to last year um squirrel white their leading receiver uh 45 catches over 550 yards um and it's like they're just going to chip away at you in the running game stick with it stick with it maybe break a run and then every once in a while they'll take a deep shot and it's like uh, a lot of games this year i've kind of said uh, against Missouri's defense, when Kentucky, when South Carolina hands the ball off, when even when Georgia hands the ball off, that's a gift. <laughs> and I feel like it's the opposite with Tennessee. Yeah. When Milton drops back to pass and doesn't hand the ball off, that's a gift. Mm-hmm. Because I feel like, honestly, like Tennessee has a better chance of getting a first down on the ground than they do with him throwing the ball 30 times. Yeah, that's what I'm most afraid of, definitely, is that is the run game. Uh, just like chipping away six yards at a time. Uh, I definitely think Tennessee could do that. And if they're able to get ahead and early in the game, they can definitely control the pace. Tennessee's defense is 10th in the country in stopping third and short. Just a random stat that okay. I thought was interesting. Um, just get it on second down. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, I do feel like there's opportunity for Missouri's offense to make some big plays. Um, it seems like everybody, just like every single game, bend but don't break is like what everybody's going for. In college football, definitely. Yeah. And it's just like play the safest kind of defense that you can to just keep everything in front of you. Just get everything down to the red zone where everything's like condensed into exactly. a shorter field and then we'll play uh, we'll play our best defense there. Exactly. And, uh, you know, yeah, con- yeah, condense the field, give the quarterback a chance to make a mistake. Yeah. And... um. 
I don't know. Tennessee, I feel like they are even more... I feel like they have extremes on their defense where it's like, we're going to go three and out or we're going to score... Missouri's offense. Going to go three and out or score in five plays or less. Yeah. That's kind of what I'm envisioning for this game. Um, Tennessee has a pretty decent pass rush, but I feel like... I just feel like it's going to be, that's kind of like strength versus strength, Missouri's mm-hmm. offense versus Tennessee's defense. Mm-hmm. And they, I don't know, I think it's going to make for an interesting matchup. Yeah. And um, defensively, Missouri has to be getting these running backs on the ground. Yeah. And I just am envisioning broken tackles, missed tackles, you know, seven yard runs turning into 15, mm-hmm. 15 turning into 40. Yeah. Yeah, I still feel like this is, you know, Coach Strinkwitz talked about even before the Georgia game, if we lose against Georgia, there's still going to be, you know, so much to play for. And I don't know. I feel like this is just a massive matchup still where it feels overshadowed by the game we just played. And like, yes, we're not going to win the East. I think we're basically out of playoff contention. We're out of SEC championship contention. But this is still a huge game as a measuring stick as a program and, uh, you know, getting the monkey off your back of losing four straight to Tennessee. Um, Tennessee's been a really, really good program for the last few years, as much as I hate to admit it. Mm-hmm. They had a, they had some dark ages for, for a little while there. but mm, That was nice. That was really nice. <laughs> but um, they have never had trouble, you know, getting talent in that program. They, you know, they have all the resources they need to to be good and stay good. So... Um, I think this is a this is a huge matchup, and I would just I would love to to see us win this one. Yeah, and I feel like uh, the pessimist in me is kind of like, oh, this is the type of game where like uh, if you lose this as Missouri, and it's like, oh well, even if they had beat Georgia, that didn't mean anything. Yeah, you know, which was always true, but just sort of the narrative uh, in the college football landscape is like, oh, Missouri wasn't for real, right? The sure they played Georgia close, but how funny would that have been for them to knock off Georgia and then just turn around and lose to Tennessee at home? Yeah, um, yeah, I, I, I'm afraid that if we do lose this game, it will taint the rest of what we have done this season. And um, I, you know, I think you know we've got a chance to get to ten wins, and yeah. that's a that's a big deal. Mm-hmm. And I still think that Missouri has a chance to get to New York Six Bowl. Um, all that stuff is still in play, but you know, you gotta you gotta win this one and. Um, I don't know. I just I'm afraid of that of that narrative for sure. That like, well, we just maybe we weren't actually that good. Maybe we still have questions about Brady Cook. Maybe we have questions about Eli Drinkwitz. Like, I don't want to play that game this offseason. No, 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 no. I'm so ready to move on from that. If we win this game, I think yep. that stuff's for sure is yeah. is behind trust, us. Trust the door on all of that. Yep. Uh, even losing this game, I don't feel like it has to creep back in, mm-hmm. but it does open the door for it. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like I'm I'm thinking about this game scared. I, I don't want to be, but yeah, I, last I, week uh, we were like, yeah, that's that just that go. nothing to lose sort of yeah. mentality. Yeah. It feels like the margin for error is, it's just on the season as a whole. Uh, what we determine is this as a success or failure is kind of riding on this game a little bit. Yeah. You don't want to be looking back and going, oh, well, we peaked at the uh, Kentucky game. Right. Oh. It's like uh, I'm talking about it so scared, and then I'm trying to get myself to predict a win. Yeah, it's weird. Was it's al- like, I'm always going to predict a, a win here. In a weird way, man. Like, I don't know. It's like thinking about Tennessee. This is going to sound really strange, but 
hopefully it makes sense. But like, I'm almost more afraid of Tennessee than I was of Georgia, just because they're just they're so solid. And I know what Joe Milton's capable of. Like, I'm I'm like somehow more afraid of him than I was of Carson Beck. Yeah, it almost feels like there's more just like variance in Tennessee's style yes. of play, 100%. where just everything more seems explosive. more unpredictable. Yeah, where it's like you kind of just know Georgia's going to go out there and kind of just look like an NFL offense yeah. with worse players a little bit. Mm-hmm. And Tennessee is like they're going to be this high flying, crazy looking college offense. Yeah, it's like, they, like how they, it is in my mind. Yeah, they, uh, Tennessee might just come out and blow us out, and like. <laughs> It wouldn't shock me, yeah. even if you know we might be the better team on most days. So, uh, I don't know. Feels but feels too negative. It feels too negative, but I do think Missouri's going to win. <laughs> I do think Missouri's going to win. I think we just outlined how this game could go wrong, but I still think Missouri is is the better team, and it's and it's close. I think yeah. you know it's it's a coin flip. But Tennessee still plays Georgia this year. That's true. So that'll. I wish that game had come before, so we just like have a little bit better idea how everything lines up here. Yeah, I think it's gonna be a little bit of back and forth here, and I th- I'm just gonna say the exact same prediction that I said for Georgia last week, I, which I believe was 34 to 31 Missouri. That sounds about right. Um, I think it's gonna be just a little bit lower scoring, <laughs> so I'm gonna go with Missouri. 29 to 26. All which right. is exactly the score I predicted last year. That week. might be a scoregami. <laughs> Imagine you predicting a scoregami. I think I did once. I I would have You're kidding. To, me. We'd have I think that one time when I predicted one of the teams to score 19, <laughs> that could have been a scoregami. <laughs> uh, I forgot about scoregami. Yeah. I think I've only seen it for NFL though. Yeah. There's probably no there's probably none left in college. Too many probably games. Not. Yeah. Okay, we're getting a win. Coming, bouncing back. Offense bounces back. We've been needing to put up some numbers. We need to get Luther Burden going. Gotta get that monkey off our back. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's, that's, streak, the, the, that's streak the feeling about it is like, okay, lost a game. How do we respond? Yeah. Could this, you know, spiral? Can we get it back together? Yep. If If we were playing, if the schedule went Georgia, Florida, Arkansas, Tennessee... I feel like I would feel better that we could just win out. I don't know. It feels like something about this game being right after the Georgia loss. Yeah. Yeah. Hope hope the guys can get up for it and aren't still uh too de- dejected from last week. But we're predicting a win and it's another sellout and that's, let's just like that should be the standard from now on. I agree. We sell out home games. No questions asked. It doesn't even matter if Kansas State's coming to town. We sell out. I'm with you. You know, Kansas State fans were really patting themselves on the back. They said it was all them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. They were spinning a narrative. Yeah, you got to do that sometimes. I don't blame them. Um, You ready to pick the rest of these games? I'm ready. Producer Cameron, how did we do last week? I know I did terrible because I, for some reason, picked Vanderbilt to beat Auburn. To put your faith in Vanderbilt. Wow. I might have to do it again to catch back up. Oh, <laughs> uh, you got an opportunity. Last week. I Oh, where's that music? I don't know. I'm slacking today. <laughs> really got to get, get you in the mood Kiss for it, the huh? There, there, you, oh, there yeah. you go. I'm feeling it now. All right, last week, Cam had three points. Kyle had five. I had three. The guest pickers had four 
Let's go. Bringing our season totals to Cam has 54. I have 57. Kyle and the guest pickers are tied at 58. Oh, Still it's anybody's a whole game. new game. Anybody's game. Oh. Our guest picker this week is Britt. Hey, welcome in. Welcome in. Game one, number eight, Alabama at Kentucky. Alabama is a 10 and a half point favorite. Alabama easy. I think so. Yep, Alabama all around. Next up is Vanderbilt at South Carolina. South Carolina is a 13 and a half point favorite. If this game was at Vandy. Oh, you're taking them all day, huh? Yeah, but not. Not today. 13 point. That seems high. South Carolina almost lost to Jacksonville State. Jacksonville State. Uh, they, I mean, that is disrespectful. That game was Gamecocks versus Gamecocks. Really? Yeah. yeah. No way. Yeah. Um, what does Balderdash mean? I think like nonsense. Okay. This is complete Balderdash. This 13 yeah. and a half point line. Uh, you saying that just made me think of this random thing, but uh, Cody Schrader is uh, a semifinalist for the Bullsworth Trophy. Bullsworth. I okay. think that was it. I think that was the name. Is that a real thing or is that some? I didn't make it up. Okay. Uh, but some Cody Schrader winning the Bullsworth Trophy just feels right, doesn't it? Yeah. What is it? Some kind of college football award for what? Probably being a running back. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, sure. Yeah, he's being really the good most at that. Bullsworthy. <laughs> just bowls over people. Yeah, Balderdash Bullsworth. That's how I got there. Okay. All right. What's your pick? South Carolina. Yeah, South Carolina. South Carolina all around. Vanderbilt to cover. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Wait. 13. That's just disrespectful. Yeah. Our first close one, Auburn at Arkansas. Arkansas is a two and a half point favorite. Arkansas beat Florida yeah. in overtime. Florida doesn't make sense. Please just let both of those teams actually be bad. Yeah. <laughs> um, I got to go with Arkansas. Arkansas's favorite? Yep. All I right. got to go with Florida. <laughs> Florida, Florida. they played. You just made that up. <laughs> Who's Arkansas playing? Got Bullsworth on Auburn. the line. Um, they already beat them. The game is Auburn, Auburn versus Arkansas. At Arkansas. Arkansas is a two and a half point favorite. Give me Auburn. I'll take Auburn. I'll take Auburn. Britt takes Arkansas. I'm switching to Arkansas. Okay. Go, go ahead. I Kyle. hate picking them. Kyle, you good? You switching? Oh, yeah, I'm good. Okay. All I right. thought I was doing something embarrassing or something. No. Yeah. I mean. What's new? Yeah. <laughs> Battle of the top 10 teams. Ole Miss, number nine Ole Miss at number two Georgia. Georgia is a 10 and a half point favorite. I'd like to think Ole Miss could do it. Missouri covered. Yeah. Heck yeah. Uh, um, yeah, I'd like to think Ole Miss can do it. But go ahead. But I'll take Georgia. Me too. So does Britt. That would be pretty legendary. Be a big move for you. Separate yourself from the pack. I'm already. I'm in the lead though. Tied though. I gotta defend the lead. If you just pick everything Britt does, you're not gonna be able to separate from them. Yeah. We already playing scared. We already differentiated on Mm. uh, Arkansas game. Mm. Um. I'll go Georgia. Ah, uh, bunker mentality. Uh, okay, you guys all pick Georgia. 
Next up is Florida at number 19, LSU. LSU is a 14-point favorite. LSU by a million. LSU for me. LSU. LSU all around. Okay. You guys all believed in LSU last week, and they let you down. Yeah. I guess uh, Alabama squad, they're pretty I good. Guess I, guess. Legit. I guess they're legit. I guess Something. They're not on Missouri's schedule. I don't know much about them. We're going to see Alabama Georgia for the SEC championship most likely, right? Yeah. Game. And once again, we will see that Georgia, uh, that Missouri gives Georgia the best game they've had all season. Wow. That's what I'm saying. That's well, take. Yeah. Mississippi State at Texas A&M. Texas A&M is a, an 18 and a half point favorite. Is Mississippi State the worst offense you've ever watched? Oof, it's bad. Texas Who A&M. Who is their coach? You know, I was watching them against uh, Arkansas like two yeah. weeks ago, and I was like, I've never seen this man in my life. No. I've, I've never, I don't recognize him. No. I don't know what his name is. No. He looked like this random guy on the sidelines. Yeah. And how is that possible that I would, like, I feel like Mississippi State is the most random team. They are pretty random. Like, I don't know anything about them. Remember when Dak Prescott was there? I do remember and that. they beat Alabama, I think. Yeah, I think they did. Wow. They beat us too. Yeah. Uh, Anyways, uh, I'll take whoever they're playing against. Yeah, Texas A&M. Texas A&M. Yeah. 18 and a half is a lot. Yeah. I don't know if, I mean. They won't score more than seven. Yeah. Texas a and is going to win 20 to three. And cover. Well, that would be. 24 to three. There we go. 20 21 to three. to three. I say. I say 20 to three. Don't cover. Don't cover. Don't cover it. All right. Last but certainly least, Maryland. The state of Maryland at Nebraska. Maryland is a two and a half point favorite. Give me Nebraska. Mm. Cam, I really thought Nebraska was turning a corner. And I then didn't. they lost to Michigan State. Yeah. Last week. And we you, all picked Michigan State. Uh, we all picked Nebraska. You can't lose to Michigan State. Uh the people are talking about Nebraska being ranked. Ew. Okay, I don't think they'd turn a corner that much. Ew. Is that, <laughs> he's like <laughs> literally a fan of the team. Ew. <laughs> That just wouldn't look right. No. Uh, give me. Who did you pick? You picked Nebraska, Cam? I'll oh, take Nebraska. Yeah. Underdog at home. I'll take them. Isn't Maryland's quarterback like good? Tua Tungabaloa's brother? Yes. Yeah. Okay. He's probably pretty good. Probably. I'll take Maryland. That's right. probably the correct decision. Britt takes, Brit takes Maryland. I hope it is. Yeah. See you on the grid, aren't Oh, This mm-hmm. is going to be a fun week. <laughs> Oh, yeah. See you on the gridiron. Good luck. You got a little splash there. I splashed myself in the face, yeah. <laughs> it was like glasses are like covered in water. Yeah. You were just going to roll with it until unless I said something. So I apologize. It's okay. Um, are we done here? I hope so. Sure. Special thank you to our Patreon supporters of the $10 level and above. Britt Treese, Brian Smith, Ryan Diamore, Tristan, Ben Smith, Parker, Daddy, JD, Tim Keens, Tyler Harsel, Brandon Garofalo, Brandon Hanks, Matthew Tilly, Louis Hernandez, and producer Cam Fan. Thank you. Thank you so much, gentlemen. We love you very much. You can find this podcast on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. We're on Twitter, at Mizzou Sports Pod. Slacking. And you can email us at MissouriSportsPod at gmail.com. You can find our t-shirts and stickers on our online shop. <clears throat> MissouriSportsPod.BigCartel.com Thank you everyone for listening. We will see you next week. After a win.